Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. ...to come to Ray of Hope, aren't you? I am so very proud of you guys in a great, positive way, and I know all of your parents and family are too. Boy, what a blessing to have them uh, sing and lead worship tonight. It's awesome. Very, very good. Take your Bible tonight. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. We've been on a series called Spiritual Gifts. This is our third installment. And uh, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to learn something tonight. Say that to them. Tonight, we may actually get into a spiritual gift. We've been leading up to it. We've been anticipating it. We've been headed that direction. But in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, we have the Apostle Paul talking to the church. Now, I want to begin at verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Let's pray together. Father, in our time together tonight, speak to our hearts, enrich us, educate us, inspire us, give us information that will be useful for your kingdom, for fruitfulness, for growth. Lord, allow me to speak in a way that we can understand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you to drop down to verse number 11 there in that same chapter, but each one um, of these gifts are working this way, but one of the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So let's talk about what spiritual gifts are not. So we want to talk about what they are. So one of the ways we know what they are is we know what they're not. They're not earthly, natural talents. They're not learned through our own intellect. They're not produced by our own efforts, and they're not solely for our individual benefit. But this is what they are. Spiritual gifts are grace gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, we talked about last time in uh, Paul's writing in, in Romans, when he talks about gifts, it's the word charis, where we get the word charismatic. It means it's a gift of grace. You didn't earn it, but it just came. Uh, they're endowments and empowerments of the Holy Spirit. They're dispersed and gifted into people's lives as God wills. We don't choose the gift. How many of you know God gives the gift? So he gifts us as it pleases him, not as it pleases us. Now, let me go through this, and I think it's beneficial to go through this. I want to just contrast a little bit talents and spiritual gifts. Talents are received biologically. You know, some people can just sing well, and they develop that. Some people have an ear for music. Some people are very gifted at other things. And it comes through hereditary. It comes through biological uh, giftedness. Spiritual gifts are not received biological. They're received by the Holy Spirit. Talents are due to natural birth, but spiritual gifts are from a spiritual birth or a spiritual conversion. Talents benefit our plans, but spiritual gifts benefit us and other people. Talents advance man's plans, but spiritual gifts advance the kingdom of God. The results of talents are temporary, but the results of spiritual gifts are eternal. Talents tend to glorify ourselves, but spiritual gifts should glorify God. You believe that? Now, who can receive spiritual gifts? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked me. Verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12. 
Notice what Paul says. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. If you have a King James Bible, it says it's given to every man. Now the word man there is anthropos, which means mankind. So it's not talking about males and genders. It's talking about uh, men and women together, mankind. So we know that the Holy Spirit gifts everyone who's birthed by the Spirit. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then you can receive a spiritual gift. Now, you may not develop that. You may not know what that gift is. But I promise you the Holy Spirit has a spiritual gift for you. But you have to believe that by faith. You have to receive that by faith. Acts chapter 2, verses 38-39. Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. And then when they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is to you, your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So go back to verse 38. The Holy Spirit's what? It's a gift. So we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now who is that gift for? Well, the Bible tells us in verse 39. It's a promise. The gift is promised to you. So we receive it as a gift. Now, this is who the gift is for, and this is who the gift is given to. Number one, it's given to you. Everybody say you. That's you individually. The gift is for me. It's for you. Then he said, it's for your children. Aren't you glad our children can receive the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit? I think we heard some of that tonight, don't you? So the, the gift is for us. It's for our children. It's for all those that are far off. Now, when he says this in verse number 39, he's not talking about distance. He's not talking about the gift is for us right here in this sanctuary, and it's for somebody in Oklahoma City. It's not here in this locality and somewhere around the world, even though that may be true, but he's talking about generational, and he's talking about time. It's for you, your children, and generations that will follow. That is the inference here. So it's for you, your children, those that are far off. Now here's the clincher. The fourth thing he said, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So who's the gift for? Whoever God calls. So the Holy Spirit is a gift. And once we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, then we also receive through the Holy Spirit, what? Spiritual gifts. Who? You, your children, those that are far off generationally, and everyone the Lord will call can receive the gift and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now there are two pillars or two foundations that spiritual gifts rest upon and operate by. Here they are. Number one, it's unity. And second, it's love. Unity and love, very important. So let's take unity first. Look at verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12. The manifestation is given to each one for the profit of who? Everybody. It profits everybody. Now, I'm not saying it didn't profit you or profit me individually, but it's initially to profit everybody. So everybody should profit by the giftedness of the Holy Spirit. Now, Acts chapter 2, we were there just a moment ago. If you go back to verse 1 of Acts chapter 2, when the gift of the Holy Spirit comes, Acts 1, Jesus said, go to the upper room, tarry there till you receive power from on high. He said, it's the promise of my Father, which I've already talked to you about. So they're there, they're waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power from on high. Now notice 
what the Bible tells us, their posture, their attitude, their position of when they're waiting. They're in one mind and one accord. I want to say one mind and one accord. That's not trite. Okay. One mind and one accord. What does that mean? They have a like-mindedness, and they are together in this. They're after the same thing, same goal. And as they do that, it is conducive for the Holy Spirit to operate. The Holy Spirit operates in unity. Disunity breaks the bond of the Holy Spirit. Disunity causes the Holy Spirit not to move in our church like it should. You know, I heard this little story about a guy who came to church. He was dressed in his jeans and his boots, kind of like me tonight. And he wasn't just really dressed up, and he came to a church. There tend to be more formal suits, ties, and, you know, nice clothes. And the preacher told him, said, hey, if you're going to come back to my church, you need to figure out how you should dress. You need to pray and ask God how to dress. So he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and said, Lord, they want me to dress right. I need to know how to dress. The Lord said, I don't know. I've never been there either. <laughs> so it's, it's not just in the physical, natural sense, but we need to be unified in how we're approaching something. We don't need division. How many of you know we need unity? Now, I want you to go back to verse 12 of chapter 12. One body, many members, many members... One body. Now you say, what are you trying to give us a rhyme or a limerick or some type of a poem here? No, I'm trying to stress something. And that's what Paul does. He kind, of, he, he kind of repeats this to himself for our benefit. There's one body, many members, many members in one body. When my body doesn't function together, I've got some very severe problems. I mean, I can get to the back of the church may not can eat right. So whenever my individual members of my body doesn't function together, then I have dysfunction. Whenever the body of Christ, its members don't function together, guess what we have? We have dysfunction. And so it's hard for the Holy Spirit to move among us because one joint, one member supplies the other needs of the other members. So there needs to be unity. So that flow of the Holy Spirit, that giftedness of the Holy Spirit is there. One body, many members, many members, one body. Now take your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. I've got a lot of information. I'm going to try to get it in as soon as I can and as fast as I can. Somebody say, help the preacher. But this is so important. Ephesians chapter 4 you're going to recognize this chapter because this is the chapter Paul gives the ministerial gifts in. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But I want you to know the beginning of the chapter begins this way. And then later on he said, he that descended then ascended. And when he ascended he gave gifts unto men. That's in chapter 4 of Ephesians. But notice how he starts. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, say that with me, unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Now... 
Let's break down those six verses. You ready? Here's number one. How do we walk and keep in the unity of the Spirit? This is what he said first. He said, walk worthy. Say that with me. Walk worthy. What does it mean to walk worthy? We have been given treasure in earthen vessel. You have a treasure. Your salvation's a treasure. The Holy Spirit within you is a treasure. The giftedness of God within you is a treasure. So what do you do? Walk worthy. Appreciate that. Walk in integrity. Walk in character. Walk worthy. Can I hear an amen? But notice also he said, walk in your calling. Wade and I had a conversation a few weeks ago. Have you ever noticed all worship leaders want to preach and all preachers want to sing? <laughs> Have you been there? It's really true. I, I, I've been there and uh, some of the churches, the, the worship leader wants to just go on and on and on and on. Then the preacher gets up and he goes on and on and on. And then the worship leader sings. And then the preacher gets up and he sings about two or three songs. Then he preaches. Hey, stay in your calling. If you're a singer, sing. If you're a preacher, preach. Well, it's getting quiet in here. If you're a deacon, deek. But this is what happens. Instead of developing their own calling, you know what people do? They want to get out of their calling. It won't work out of your calling because your anointing's in your calling. It's not out of your calling. Can I hear an amen? This happens all the time in churches. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to get in somebody else's calling. Just fulfill your calling. How many of you know the world will be a better place and the church will be a better church if you just do what you're called to do? And here is the checkup for the neck up. You're not called to do everything. You're not gifted to do everything. You don't have the anointing to do everything. And neither do I have the anointing to do everything. If I got up and tried to sing every service, I could clear this place out. Where somebody else can draw people in. So he says, number one, walk worthy. Number two, walk in your calling. Look at verse two. He said, walk in lowliness. What does that mean? Well, you know, we, we don't want to get lifted up. We, we want to walk lowly. Uh, he said gently. Notice there in verse 2, walk gently. Walk in long-suffering, patience, bearing one another. You've heard of the three bears? Here's the fourth bear right here. The fourth bear is you've got to bear one another. You say, what does that mean, I, I've got to bear one another? Four bear. So, the Bible talks about forebear. Three bears, here's forebear. We forebear one another. What does it mean? Sometimes people rub you the wrong way. Sometimes they get under your skin. Sometimes they say things. They do things. You know what the Bible says? For you to keep the unity of the Spirit, what do you do? You forebear them. You bear each other up. Now, he says not only do we have long-suffering with patience... We bear one another in love. We bear one another in love. Now look at verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Why did he give us these three verses and bring us into the endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit? Because you've got to do all this before to try to keep the unity of the Spirit. 
Because if you break the unity of the Spirit, what happens? Then we're disjointed. We can't flow from one member to the other member to the other member to the other member. Because here's a member. The Holy Spirit's wanting to flow from here to here to here to here. And he gets over here to Cheryl. And Cheryl's got her no ugly spirit. And then the Holy Spirit just says, I can't flow through her. Or the Spirit's flowing from here to here to here. It gets up to me. And now I've got bitterness towards somebody. Guess what I do? I break the unity of the Spirit. Or the Spirit's flowing from here to here to here. And then it comes up to somebody else and they have a grudge against somebody. Or they're not walking worthy. What happens? We're breaking the flow. We're breaking the unity of the Spirit. Now notice this word endeavor. The word endeavor means you've got to try to keep it. It doesn't just happen, does it? You have to try to keep the peace. You have to try to forbear. You have to try to be patient. You have to try to be long-suffering. You have to try to be gentle. You have to try to be lowly. You have to try to stay in your calling. You have to try to walk worthy. And if you do, you keep the unity of the Spirit. Boy, y'all getting real quiet tonight. Y'all getting anything out of this? Because, listen, my friends, the, the Bible is replete, full, chock full of great, not only information, but things we need to operate in, things we need to, to work in and, and be and do and develop in our own personal life. You know, one of the things that, that I know, sometimes people just don't teach on this. They, they don't address the subject. But this is what I want for us, and this is what I want for you. I want us to be able to come in here and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. From the time we walk through the doors to the time they crank up the band, by the time they sing, they minister, there's teaching, preaching. By the time we pray and walk out, I want people to say, I felt the Spirit of God in this house. I didn't feel a cold shoulder. I didn't feel like Sister Yeah, yeah, was mad over here and Brother Wonderful was trying to pitch his, you know, case over here. We just came in and we just flowed in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. We, we just need to know how to be in the bond of peace and keep the unity of the Spirit. Now, now if you mark in your Bible, underline the word keep. If it's always there, why do you need to keep it? Guess what? Not always there, is it? So there has to be the endeavor to what? Keep the unity of the Spirit. So one of the pillars, one of the foundations of how the Spirit operates and how spiritual gifts operate, one is what? Unity. There's got to be unity within the body of Christ. Here's the second one. The second one is love. Now we talked about a lot of that, so, so I don't want to spend a lot of time there. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 31. This is the end of chapter 12. Notice what Paul says. He says, but earnestly desire or covet the best gifts or the excellent gifts. And yet I will show you a more excellent way. What is the more excellent way? Well, chapter 13 is that more excellent way. What's he talking about? The gifts have to operate in love. If they don't operate in love, if they don't operate in unity, guess what? We don't have the right foundation for spiritual gifts. But if they operate in unity and they operate in love, then that is the most and the more excellent way that he's talking about. Okay, let's shift gears here tonight. So what happens if I don't operate in the giftedness that God's given me? What happens if I don't move out and operate and discover and become fruitful in what the Holy Spirit has gifted me and equipped me with? 
Let me give you four things here that usually happens. Here's number one. The body of Christ does not function at its full potential. The body of Christ does not function at its full potential. If you have an eight-cylinder car and only six of them are working, how many of you know you've got some potential that you could have that you don't have? Or if you have a, a six-cylinder and only three of them are working, guess what? You don't have the potential that you could have if all the cylinders were working. Or if you're on an airplane and only one of the engines working and the other one's not, you got a real issue right there. If I'm on the plane and I'm looking out and one of the engines goes out, I would think this is not a good day. Well, we need everyone to try to reach their potential, reach their calling, reach their anointing, reach their giftedness. And if we do, it allows us to have a greater potential. But if we don't, we're not reaching our full potential. Number two, we're making it necessary for others to carry a heavier load of ministry. Now, what does that mean? It means that God's gifted you to help us carry ministry. But if you don't, guess what? The burden falls on other people here. Now, if Waylon's up here and he, he's got his guitar, he's at the keyboard and he's singing, and he can do a pretty good job at that. We hear that all the time. But guess what? If he surrounds himself with other people, we get harmony going. We have other instruments going. And, and let's say he, he kind of slacks off. Guess what? We, we're still going. But if he's up there by himself, if he stops, guess what? Everything stops. So if, if we're ministering, if we're trying to reach people, pray for people, if we're trying to uh, uh, evangelize people, healing, uh, whatever the case may be, the more we have doing it, guess what? The more we're going to get done. But if we have a group of people who are gifted to do that, and they don't do that, the burden falls on more people to do that. You know, many hands make the load lighter. It's kind of like, you know, when you're moving the couch through the door and someone says, this is not working very good. And they said, are you going in or are you going out? You know, if you're one, on one end of the couch trying to go in, the other one's trying to get out, how many of you know you've got a problem there? So we have to go together and we have to function at full potential. We don't want to get to the point where other people are having to carry the load when someone else won't jump in. Number three, we're missing out on the joy of service. How many of you know there is joy in serving the Lord? Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There's a crown laid up for those who are serving the Lord. Now, if we are working, using our gift, if we're ministering, then there is joy of service. Number four, we're also hindering the growth of the kingdom of God. Because we could grow more if we had more people out there working in their giftedness and using their anointing. If we have 10 people sowing seed, or we have 100 people sowing seed, what's the size of the harvest going to be with 100 people sowing or 10 people sowing? We're going to have more harvest with 100 people sowing, right? So we need people operating in their spiritual gift to grow the kingdom. So how does someone minister in the spiritual gifts? How do we impact our world through that? Now, I want to use Jesus as an example. Now, I really haven't taught this, but, but I want to talk to, uh, to you tonight about this because I think it's important. You realize that Jesus did so many miracles and so much ministry. 
And you say, well, yeah, Pastor Mike, he's the son of God. He's God in the flesh. But could I give you something here tonight that you may not have thought of? He did not do it all out of his deity. He did not do it all out of his deity. Do you believe Jesus came as an example? I believe that. Now, I'm not denying his deity because I believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he is God in the flesh. Can I hear an amen? But I want you to see something. Take your Bible. Turn with me to Matthew 12. So you're going to have to follow along with me tonight. Remember someone came to Jesus and they brought a person that's demon possessed? In chapter 12, verse 22, we have the account. The man is blind, he cannot speak, and Jesus healed him, so the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? Verse 24. When the Pharisees heard it, now if you don't know who a Pharisee is, that's the religious group that Jesus pronounced a lot of woes on. They're the they're the hardcore religious crowd that didn't like Jesus very much. When the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except, except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. So what they're saying is he is casting out demons by demons. Well, that makes no sense, does it? But that's what they're saying. But Jesus knew their thoughts, verse 25, and he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges, verse 28. But if I cast out demons... By the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now look at verse 28. Put your finger there. How did Jesus cast out demons? Well, he tells us, doesn't he? He cast them out by the Spirit of God. It's interesting, isn't it? He said, I'm casting them out by the Spirit of God. Go with me to Luke chapter 4. Remember chapter 4, Jesus goes back uh, to his hometown. But notice how the beginning of chapter 4 of Luke's gospel starts. The Bible says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Was Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Did Jesus cast out demons by the Holy Spirit? Yes. How do we know that? It's what the Word says. So Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. How much did the Holy Spirit did Jesus have? The Bible says without measure. Not quite like you and I, but he had it without measure. But the fact remains, Jesus, notice this, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted 40 days by the devil. So Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, came as an example showing us how we minister, how we're to walk, how we're to be led. If he was led by the Holy Spirit, hello, guess what we should be doing? We ought to be led by 
the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that's what sons and daughters of God do. They're led by the Holy Spirit. Verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Everybody see that? To Galilee, and news of him went out through the whole surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So now, verse 16, he comes to Nazareth. Remember? He goes into the synagogue on the uh, Sabbath day. He stood, stands up to read. Verse 17, he was handed the book or the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. When he'd opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, I want you to just make a note of that. He has anointed me to preach the gospel, heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the liberty, accept, acceptable year of the Lord. So the liberation, the healing, the proclamation was all done by Jesus because he was what? Anointed by the Spirit of the Lord. So Jesus cast out demons how? By the Holy Spirit. He was led to the wilderness how? By the Holy Spirit. He came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he proclaims and preaches and delivers because he has been anointed by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? Acts chapter 10. This is Peter preaching to the household of Cornelius. Remember, it's the first Gentiles to get saved. It's the first Gentiles to receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 34. Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism when John preached. Verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. How did Jesus go around doing good and healing people and delivering people? By the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? We have all these verses about Jesus' ministry was ministering in the Holy Spirit. Now, could he have done that out of his deity? Absolutely. When you're God, you can just do anything you want to. Amen? When you're God, you can talk to trees. You can remove mountains. You can part seas. You, you can take warts off frogs, I guess. I don't know what you can do, but when you're God, you can just do anything you want to. But isn't it interesting? The Bible wanted us to know that a lot of the things that we see here, the healing, the deliverance, the casting out demons, being led by, Jesus was led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Spirit. But to me, that's just interesting. You know what it does for me? It gives me the insight that we too can be led by, anointed by, empowered by, and operate in the Holy Spirit. Amen. That we can have the giftedness 
of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that exciting? This is not dead religion. This is alive. This is active. This is the Spirit of God at work in the body of Christ and in the world. That we can go about doing good, proclaiming, delivering, healing by the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, that didn't cost anything extra tonight. Take your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I just want to give you two things that I'm done. When you're at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the first part of the chapter, all the way down to verse about 7, Paul is talking about how that you and I are gifted by, empowered by, the Holy Spirit. In the end of verse 7, he says, The manifestation of the Spirit is to give it to every person to profit everyone. But then in verse 8, all the way through verse 10, he lists nine spiritual gifts. This is not the complete gift list, but he, he lists nine spiritual gifts. And the first one he lists here in verse 8 is this. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can give one, everybody say one, wisdom. Can, can give one over here what knowledge. Now, we're not talking about just general wisdom, general knowledge, something you read, something you studied, something you, you know, retain. This is something that is supernatural. This is something that's imparted, imputed, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what is this word of wisdom? What is this utterance of wisdom? So let me give you a definition here. It is the ability to discern and apply the mind of Christ and scriptural truths in such a way as to make right choices, make right decisions for individuals and the body of Christ. Could we have wisdom, a word of wisdom, so that we can make right choices for us, for somebody else, and for this entire body? And the answer is what? Absolutely yes. Where did we get it? From the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit graciously, without our effort, without our natural knowledge, give us the wisdom to apply this for the growth, development, protection, increase, fruitfulness of an individual or the entire body of Christ. Now, what does that mean? It means that we have supernatural revelation. It is a word of wisdom. It's utterance of wisdom. It is usually in fragments or fragmentary. Now, why do we say that? It's because sometimes people get lifted up in their abundance of wisdom and knowledge. Paul addressed that. So this is what Paul said. We know in part, and we what? Prophesy in part. Why do we get parts? Because God does not want anyone to feel self-sufficient in themselves. We're reliant upon each other. Is everybody still with me tonight? This is kind of deep stuff. 
But, but I want us to really get it down because this is just good stuff. So it's usually supernatural revelation. Sometimes it's fragmentary. It's information and knowledge applied. So the difference between wisdom and knowledge, we're fixing to get into knowledge and we're going to quit. Wisdom is the application of it. Not just the knowing of it, but how do we apply it? It is for solution and remedy. It's for an end. There's a purpose for it. So that is the word of wisdom. The second one he addresses here in this verse is the word of knowledge. The ability to receive, seek out, gather, know facts and information. Where do we get it from? Holy Spirit. Pastor Mike, have you ever operated in this? I try to operate it in every Sunday. I'm serious. I try to operate in every Sunday. I don't get a preaching book from the denomination. I don't. I don't get sent down an outline of sermons. You know what I try to do? Lord, what do we need? Where are you leading us? What series do we start off with this year? That's how we started with It's a New Season. Lord, we need, we need a word. We need a word. Where do we go here? And then when people, I leave, they said, you know what, Pastor? That's exactly what I needed. I'm not that smart. Let me just tell you, I'm not that smart. But how do you know the Holy Spirit's that smart? So we need a word. We need a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. We need it when we sing. What song do we sing? What sermon did we preach? How do we deliver it? We need a word from God. So it's not that I'm standing up and say, Thus saith the Lord. And that happens. I'm not saying that. But we need to walk in this as much as we can. We need to walk in this as much as we can. Let me give you a couple of uh, illustrations. One of them I really haven't shared hardly at all. One you've heard me share before. We had a couple in our church years and years ago that began to give us some problems. I tried to talk to them, tried to counsel them. And it didn't get better, it got worse. I'm such a good counselor, it got worse. But they had a spirit about them that wasn't receptive. Do you realize that people can have such a know-it-all attitude that it becomes so deceptive to them they don't even realize they have it? And this situation got worse and worse and worse and I thought, I'm going to have to deal with this. I'm going to have to go just deal with this and I don't want to go deal with this. I don't want to confront this. But I knew I had to because it was causing confusion in the church. I mean, you know, God's not the author of confusion. He's not the author of division. It's about unity, love, and harmony, right? So I remember I'm walking by the side of the church during the day on the sidewalk. And the Lord spoke to my heart, spirit to spirit. And the Lord said, don't do anything, I'm going to move them. And, and it caught me by surprise. I mean, I, I kind of just look around, what happened to me? 
But you know how you're just thinking about something? You're just kind of ruminating this in your spirit? The Lord said, don't do anything, I'm going to move them. About a week or so later, we're at the counter where the donuts are. That's a spiritual place. <laughs> and this gentleman was there, and he came up to me, and he said, Pastor, we're going to be leaving. He said, my job is transferring me out of state. I could have said, I already know that. And I had a little bit of compulsion to say that. I could have said, I already know that. How did I know that? I believe I knew it before he knew it. I'm telling you, I believe I knew it before he knew it. And God knew it before anybody knew it. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, don't do anything. I'm going to move them. And as sure as I'm standing here, it was just a few days they moved out of state. And if I had confronted that and began to get in the middle of that, guess what? It had been a worse scenario. I can remember years ago, driving up and down Highway 81. Our church had begun to grow. We could seat about 300-something people. Um, you know, we were having multiple services. I remember Ronnie and Lakita telling me the first time they ever visited Ray of Hope. And uh, they said, we came and said there were so many people in there, we were literally sitting on top of people. And Lakita said this to Ronnie, we're not ever going to go back there again. That's uncomfortable. Famous last words, right? But I remember that we had trouble parking cars. We had trouble getting everybody into the building. That's a good problem, isn't it? I can remember driving by this corner and the Lord speaking to me saying, that's where you're going to build the church right there. And I didn't hardly say that to anybody because that is so far out. Number one, we don't even own the property. Number two, we don't even have the money to buy the property. Number three, we don't even just have the money not to buy the property. We don't have the money to build the church. But the Lord's speaking to my heart, this is where you're going to build the church. So later on, we pursued that. We had to go find out who even owned the property. And of course, the rest is history. You're sitting right here in the middle of nothing. Because there's nothing here. No electricity, no sewer, no water, nothing. No, no, no natural gas, nothing here. But I believe the Spirit of the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. This is where it's going to be. You see, probably that's already happened to some of you. Agree? Somehow, someway, the Holy Spirit just spoke that to your heart. I believe this. I believe the Holy Spirit can give you a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge and that not be your primary gift. Now, let me go back to this. God can do anything he wants to. But there are some people that they operate in that. I mean, that, that tends to be their primary gift. But I'm saying this to you. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can speak to you at any time in any way. And the only thing I know that's even close to that is a mama. <laughs> that's true. But the Holy Spirit can give us a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. Let's end up here. What is a word of knowledge? It's not just the sake of receiving information, but it's receiving information for the benefit of individuals and the body of Christ. 
Because this is what will happen if we view it that way. I know something you don't know, Karen. Do you know anybody like that? Oh, I know something you don't know. People who gossip, they feed on that. Oh, I know something you don't know. They're always looking for something you don't know. That, that's not what this is. The Holy Spirit's not gifting us with the word of knowledge so we can know something somebody else doesn't know. The reason we have it is what? To bless, edify, build up people. To, to, to do something with that. Beneficial. We have to guard against becoming prideful or arrogant. As Paul said, though I be lifted up in my knowledge. We must always be used for the prophecy the profiting, the edification, the strengthening of the body of Christ. So whatever gift we have, whether it's a word of wisdom or word of knowledge, it's not just for us individually, because it can be, but it's for the edification of other people around us. It's for the edification, the building up for the entire body of Christ. So when, when we begin to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we begin to go over all these individual gifts, kind of give, you know, definitions, try to understand it, see where it's applied in Scripture. Then we see how God uses it for his glory and for his honor. There are times that the apostles, when they're ministering, they know things and sense things that they could not know naturally. How did they know and sense those? They knew them by the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus operated by the Holy Spirit, the apostles operated by the Holy Spirit, you and I also can operate by the Holy Spirit. Anybody believe that? Um, go to the first chapter of Corinthians. I, I didn't plan on using this tonight, but I want to end on it. A lot of people think that uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are gone. They're not here today. Don't need them. I don't think the Apostle Paul believed that. I don't think he taught that. And I want to show you a verse. If you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to give you one verse as we close. Verse number, let's start at 6 and we'll go down to 7. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift. Say that with me. That you come behind in no gift. Now watch this. Waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're looking for, we're believing, we're wanting not to come behind in no gift until when? Until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does everybody see that? Paul says, I don't want you to become. Uh, come behind in no gift. We're waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ. So I think Paul's attitude was, we're going to have spiritual gifts in our life until when? Till Jesus Christ comes again. Isn't that exciting? That we are going to be in, in, empowered, endowed by the Holy Spirit, and the church will be until Jesus Christ comes again. Stand with me tonight. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.